0: talk about Bible numbers. They also call it numerology, Bible numerology. And some of the things in the Bible, it gets, you start reading through the Bible and you start seeing different numbers that stand out. And what you'll find is these numbers represent something. Now they might represent something eight out of 10 times and a couple of times they don't represent it. And so what's that saying is it doesn't always follow suit, but for the most part, there are some numbers in the Bible that you can look at and you can say, you know what, that number means this. There are some numbers in the Bible you can look at and you can say, I have no idea what that number means. And to different people, you start studying different people, and I don't know if there's a definitive work on that, but through the years, I've studied a lot of different just wherever you could get information about it. And a lot of people differ on numbers in the Bible. There's some numbers that almost everybody agrees on, then there's some numbers people don't agree on. But numbers have a universal significance to them. Just like music. Music has a universal significance to that. And uh, they, um, I mean, there's certain classical music and things that can be played around the world, and it doesn't matter what language you speak, you can get something from it. Like that one high school band got put in the paper, and it said uh, uh, the high school band played Beethoven, Beethoven last night at the symphony. Beethoven lost, it said, <laughs> as the headline. <laughs> it must have been pretty rough. So anyway, but anyway, it's not supposed to be that way, but it must have been pretty bad. But so there's supposed to be a universal significance to it. And then you get in colors. Colors sometimes have a universal significance. Red. What's that look like? What's that stand for? Blood. Blood, That's right. Black. Sin. Black's almost always bad. Now you start talking about, and white's almost always good. Now, uh, almost every time, thank you, brother. Almost every time you say, well, that racist up there, we're not even talking about skin color. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about colors in general. And Brother Tim was very quick to say, he's not black, he's brown. Your hair's black, though, right? That's right. Yeah, that's, right. that's it. He is. You're not really white either. I mean, you're different, you know, just all different shades there. But that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So I'm talking about numbers. This is black right here. Now, it's not going to be bad this time, but a lot of times it is. As a matter of fact, if you got a cowboy, and he's usually, if he's a good guy, he's dressed in white. If he's a bad guy, he's blessed, dressed in black. If uh, something's bad and you can't sell it, they put it on the black market. If a person is the worst person in the family, they call him the black sheep. If a person um, uh, gets run off, he gets blackballed. I mean, all through there, you just see those. Isn't that crazy how those that color goes with that thing? And so not every time, obviously, but a lot of the time it's that way. And so uh, anyway, there's more of that, but I'm not going to go through all those but tonight, we're going to talk about numbers this evening, numbers. And so like I said, and let me say this again, these numbers mean this most of the time, but sometimes they may not mean that. So you can't just, I'm not just giving you straight Bible doctrine. I'm trying I want to give you something neat from the Bible is what I'm trying to give you. So it may not hash out every single time. So don't just say, well, he said it means this, it means that, well, it does most of the time, but it may not in certain situations, you know. So tonight, we'll just kind of go through them, and we'll start with number one. Go ahead and take your Bible and go to um, Genesis chapter one, Genesis one. Number one, is going to stand for unity, unity, and we have our country here, the greatest country on earth, as far as I'm concerned, it's the United States of America. United means we're supposed to be one and the same, one together. What's the uh, Spanish word for one? Uno. They say, there you go. Goes right along with it. Uh, our Pledge of Allegiance says we're one nation under God. One nation. One united. When they get ready, they have something called, to raise money, they call it a united drive. They have uh, churches, united Baptist church, or unity Baptist church. Isn't it funny, almost every time a church is named United or Unity, it's usually a split because they've been fighting, (laughs) and they're the ones united. (laughs) It's just the way it is. Or Harmony or Fellowship or any of those names. Those are all nine times out of a, 99 out of 100, that church split off of another church. I'm not saying they're a bad church. I'm just saying that's funny how that is because they've been fighting, and so they want to get that, we're united, you know. You got the United Fund you got the United Way. I don't support the United Way. They support abortion, so I don't support that. But anyway, but that means we're supposed to be together is what it means. One and the same. Now, the first mention is in Genesis chapter 1. And first mentions a lot of times have a lot to do with things. And there's a law of first mentions. It's called hermeneutics in the study of hermeneutics. That's the, that's the study in the, the interpretation of Scripture. I would take class on that one time. And what they call it is the law of first mention. And many times, the way something's mentioned the first time throughout the Scripture, it has the same meaning or connotation throughout the entire Bible. Now, the book of Genesis, you'll find a whole lot of first mentions because Genesis is the first book, it gets the first chance. And so it, it's the first one it pops up on you. Well, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto, look at this, one place. Like all these waters come together in one spot, one place, and let the dry land appear as it was sold. So the very first time, we say the waters coming together in one place. Another thing that we find, turn to Genesis chapter 11, since we're right here. Make that Genesis 2. Let's see another one's even closer. Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter 2. And... Um, Verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. When people get married, they're united, they're put together and the two become one. It's a unity. It's supposed to be unified is the way it's supposed to be. They come together. Another time, look in uh, Genesis um, chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11. So the marriage thing happens. You leave father and mother and you become one. Even though you're two, you still become one, according to the Bible. All right, Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter number 11. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 6. or Verse 5, this is the Tower of Babel. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. And they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So they all became one. They became one language. And when they got together, they left God out. And so what did God do? He scattered them. They got united, and they got united against Him. So when God said, All right. I'll scatter you. People, they have uh, college courses and and universities and places on linguistics and the history of language and that sort of thing. And they get talking about where did all the languages come from? Well, I know where it got started is right here. But see, they can't tell that in university because they don't believe in God. And so what they have to do is just guess where it came from. But aren't you glad we don't have to guess? We got a Bible that tells us. Everybody spoke the same language until Genesis chapter 11. That's why at the United Nations, every time you see somebody up there speaking, you see all them with that funny earpiece on with all those different nations, y'all look at that and laugh and say, boy, that's the Lord's doing right there. The Lord did that. Because before Genesis 11, they could have assembled all together and heard everybody in the same language because there was only one language. So God did that. God changed everything up. All right. Uh, How about uh, some more here? Uh, I'll just give you a few. How about in Ephesians chapter 4? I'm not going to turn there. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, what you find is seven distinct unities. Seven distinct unities. One hope, one faith, one God, one body, one Lord, one baptism, and one spirit. One. So one is a number of unity. And just about everybody that's what I would call fairly halfway conservative, they're going to agree with that one. That's probably not really a one that people fight over. All right, how about number two? Number two. The first mention is going to be in Genesis 1 again. So go ahead and turn right back there. Genesis 1. And it's going to give you the, what it means, and it's, it's right. That's where it's going to go. Genesis chapter number one. All right, Genesis chapter number one, verse 16. And God made two. There's your number great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also i like how he just throws that in for extra right there oh by the way he made the stars too that's what he's saying right there like it's not even a big deal because it wasn't a big deal to god he was able to just speak them into existence that's a big deal to me and you but when you're as powerful as god he can do anything he wants and all he's got to do is speak to do it Boy, that's amazing. That tells you the power of his word. And here's his word right here. We've got a copy of his word. The same guy that said, let there be light, and there became light, is the same one that wrote this. They say, well, man wrote the Bible. Man didn't write the Bible. My goodness, if man had written the Bible, it would be a whole lot different than it is right now. They'd be glorifying themselves a whole lot more. Oh, Moses wouldn't have been telling about how God got mad at him for spiting the rock twice and how he got in trouble for killing the guy and all that stuff. He wouldn't have been telling that stuff. You say, why? Because Moses didn't write it. When people write about themselves, they try to build themselves up, make themselves look better. But God wrote this book. He just used man as his instrument. And if man had written it, there'd be contradictions in it. People say, well, there's contradictions in the Bible. I'd love for you to show us one. I've been looking for one for years. I still can't find one. You know why I can't find one? Because God's the author of this book. This is his word. And so if I wrote it, there'd be contradictions. There'd probably be grammar problems, sentence structure. I mean, we would be in a mess. But thank God I didn't write it. (laughs) The Lord wrote it. So that's why it works out just right. All right. Verse 16. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day. What was it called? Sun. And the lesser light to rule the night. What would that be called? The moon made the stars also. What he's telling you is right there on the fourth day, God made the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's when it all happened, on the fourth day. You say, well, what's that two got to do with? It's division. He made two lights, two great lights, and what they did is they divided the day from the night. They divided light from darkness is what they did. So you find that division. In Genesis 2, God said it wasn't man, uh, good for man to be alone. So he put man asleep. And God performed an operation on him. And he divided his skin and went in and got a rib out of it. And he got that rib and he made a woman. And God made her. And you know what he did? He divided man into two. Woman came from man. That's what the word means. Man with a womb. Woman. Adam saw Eve. He said, where'd she get the name at? Well, when Adam saw Eve, he said, my goodness, that's the best-looking woman I've ever seen. (laughs) Now, I don't know if it says that, but she was the best-looking woman he'd ever seen because she was the only woman. That's true right there. Well, let me just say, God divided that man into two, and he made a man, and he made a woman, which is a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. If God had not made man, and he not had made woman, me and you wouldn't have been here. So we ought to be thankful for that, and thankful for what the Lord's done. Did you know... um, Amos 3 3 says, How can two walk together except they be agreed? The truth is they can't. If they're not agreed, there'll be a division. You have to become one in order to walk together. Do you know why our church, one of the great things about our church and why we can come together and why we don't fuss and fight? Because we all believe the Bible. We're Bible believers. I had a guy the other day, he said, well, why can't all the churches just get together? I don't understand why they can't all come together. I'll tell you why. We don't believe the same. That's a good reason right there. You mean to tell me that I get up here and I'm going to preach what the Bible says, man saved by grace through faith, Jesus plus nothing, Jesus minus nothing, and then the next guy says, well, it's my Sunday now. Now, in order to get saved, you've got to be baptized in water. And that's where you get the blood. And I'd say, no, that's not what the Bible says. And the next guy says, well, it's my Sunday. In order for you to be saved, you've got to join the church. And if you don't join the church, you can't go to heaven. And we'd say, no, that's not right either. And then the next Sunday, somebody would say, well, you've got to keep the golden rule and be a good boy or a good girl. And if you're not, you can't go to heaven. And we'd say, baloney on that. The Bible says Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's why we can't come together. We don't believe the same. We've got to believe the Bible. Now, I call myself this all the time. I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. That's the kind I am. The average Baptist does not believe the Bible. You say they're bad people? I didn't say they were bad people. You say you hate them? I didn't say I hate them. I don't know of anybody I hate, to be honest with you. You said they're not going to heaven. I didn't say they weren't going to heaven. I think there's all kinds of people in all kinds of religions all over this town going to heaven. Now, some of them think I'm going to hell because I'm not part of their religion. But I don't believe that about them. I believe if they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, they're going to heaven. That's how I believe. I believe you've got to go through him. See, it's not a church that gets you there. It's the Lord that gets you there. But what I'm saying is, sometimes I don't agree with what the Baptists say. I'm taking this book over any organization, denomination, preacher, pope, president, council, you name it. Convention, association, the Bible trumps them all, and including me, it trumps me. And there's things that I've preached in my ministry, especially early on, where you just, you know, you got to grow. You don't know everything. I still don't know everything. But I know more than I did then. But I look back and I say, I don't know if I was right about that. And it might not have been a major doctrine, you know. But it's just the way it is. As you grow in grace, you learn more about the Bible. You say, what do you do? Well, if you're right with God, you say, well... I'm not going to teach it that way anymore. I better do what the Bible says, and I better teach it that way. If I'm not, you just teach whatever you want. So I'm going to go ahead and teach what the Bible says. All right, I think two is division. I've seen some say that it's union, but I don't believe that. I, uh, now, you get somebody disagrees on something like this. This is not a doctrinal thing that you get mad over and say, well, I'm leaving, and I'm, I'm not fellowshipping with that person. There's lots of preachers that I disagree with on Small things, what we call in the Bible. And let me tell you something, I still fellowship with them. There's big things in the Bible that make a difference. I'm talking about when you get to salvation, some of those things, that's a bigger deal right there. Now, I can't fellowship with somebody who don't believe in getting saved. I mean, that's a different deal. But there's some things, there's small things, you know, that you may not agree on. And you know what? It's not worth fighting over. It's it's just not that big a deal. But people are funny like that. They're funny. All right, there were two spies, or 12 spies. Two of them came back. They were faithful, and because of that, the rest of them all got mad. There was a division that took place when they spied out the land back there in the book of Numbers. Brought division in the camp. There's two main divisions in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, two main divisions in the Old Testament, the law, the prophets. Uh, when Christ returns... It'll be in Zechariah 14. It says he's coming back on the Mount of Olives. When he steps on that Mount of Olives, what's going to happen to the Mount of Olives? It divides into two. Part goes this way and part goes that way. It'll be a division is what it'll be. Um, schizophrenic. You know what that is? That's one person that's divided into at least two personalities. Like that guy that got on a elevator and there's another man standing in there and the first guy said i'm feeling a little schizo today another guy said that makes four of us (laughs) all right number three we're just playing number three three means divinity divinity now three is going to be pretty much universal as far as anybody you talk to pretty much any conservative preacher or teacher they agree on this one um It stands for divinity because it's often mentioned with holy things. There's a triune God. That means there's three parts to God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. We believe in a trinity is what that means. Don't we believe in a trinity? I believe in a trinity. (laughs) That's right. There's three parts to God. Yet unity, there's only one, see. You get back to that one. Even though there's three parts, there's only one God, but he's got three parts to him. Did you know that mankind has three parts? Everybody in this building, you've got three parts to you, whether you know it or not. You've got a body, you've got a soul, and you've got a spirit. You say, why is that? Because you were made in God's image originally, man was. Adam, the first man, was made in God's image, according to Genesis chapter number 1 and 2 there. You say, what about that? You're made in Adam's image. If you're made in his image, then you've got three parts to you. You've got a body, you've got a soul, and you've got a spirit. Everybody's got it. Three parts. See, that's a divine thing. The pattern was the God. We find that um, when it speaks of the Lord, it says the Lord, Jesus, Christ. Three parts. Um, and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Those cherubim in Revelation chapter 5 and 4, when they get worshiping the Lord, they say, Holy, Holy, Holy. There's three attributes, divine attributes to God. Omnipotent, omniscience, and what's the last one? Omnipresent. Three of them. he has got three divine attributes. Scripture has three applications. It's got a historical application. This happened a specific time, it's got a spiritual application. You can spiritualize it. Spiritual applications make good preaching. They're good. You just don't want it to get. You want to stay with the right doctrine, but you can spiritualize any text. And then there's a doctrinal application. Three parts to Scripture. There are three, three applications to it. Um, Christ prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Jews were told to pray three times a day, according to Psalms 55, verse 17, They called it the evening, the morning, and noon. Daniel did this. The resurrection was after three days and three nights. In time, you've got an Old Testament, you've got a New Testament, you've got eternity. That's all there is. Eternity is not really time, but we'll be part of it, thank the Lord, because of our Savior. There were three great feasts, more than three feasts, but there are three great feasts that they mentioned so often. The Passover, Pentecost... And the Feast of Tabernacles. If I can read my rod in here, the first mention is in Genesis chapter six and verse ten. Noah had three sons: Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Three sons: Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, let's move to the next one. Number four. Number four is going to stand for the earth or the world, the earth of the world. Go to Genesis chapter two. Genesis chapter two. We'll see the first mention right here. Genesis chapter number two. The earth of the world. Genesis chapter number two. In Genesis two, verse ten, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From thence it was parted and became in two four heads. Notice this river had four heads, and these four heads watered the garden watered the earth Four. that's the first time you say the word show up in the bible not only that the world has four seasons winter spring summer and fall four points on a compass north south east and west there are four corners of the earth it says so in revelation 7 and verse 1 i think that's what it's talking about those directions north south east and west that covers everything covers it all not only that we find there are four elements earth air fire and water according to the bible there were four cherubim and the four cherubim each had four faces and each of the four faces were earthly creations they had the face of a man they had a face of an eagle they had the face of a uh, an ox or a cherub which would be kind of the same thing and they had the face of a Lion, four different things. All of them represent something. Uh, Not only that, there were um, four great world powers revealed in Daniel chapter 2. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. Four judgments that will take place in Matthew 24 verse 6. War, famine, pestilence, and earthquakes that will happen on the earth someday in a future time. And so what we see is four is the number of the earth, number of the world. All right, let's go to five. Now, here's your controversial one. This is where people get all up in arms. People get mad over this one right here, but that's okay. That's never seemed to bother me. (laughs) Number five, the average commentary that you read will say that it's grace because grace has five letters. And when Christ died on the cross, he had five holes in his body, one in each hand, one in each foot, and in his side. But I don't believe that. As a matter of fact, I believe it's overwhelmingly not grace. I believe it's death. Now, some of my best friends believe it's grace. You say, well, I guess they'll never preach for it. That hasn't, see, there we go again. It's not a big enough deal to matter on fellowship." <laughs> I mean, that's how people are crazy when you get to stuff like that, though. Over little bitty things that really don't matter one bit. But it's still interesting. And I believe that five is the number of death. Death has five letters. Satan has five letters. Devil has five letters. So, well, that that sounds like quite a bit. Well, there's a whole lot more than that. Um, The only time, in my opinion, that five really stands for grace is in the death of our Savior. The death of our Savior. When he died, he had five holes in him. He had five garments that they gambled away, as you remember. Not only that, um, Satan and devil, I don't know if I said that, they have five letters. The devil was the fifth cherub. It says there's four, but there used to be five. The Bible says Lucifer was the anointed cherub that covereth, Ezekiel twenty-eight fourteen, And so there you get that. Not only that, we find, um, uh, let's see here. Jesus, let's see, yeah, that's not it, let's see here, oh, yeah, in Second Samuel, did you know that in Second Samuel, you start reading, you folks reading your Bible, a lot of you are reading your Bibles, I appreciate that too, but in Second Samuel, you'll read about some people dying over there, and a lot of times, you'll read about a spear or a sword, and it smokes them, Where's does it smite them at, anybody Remember? under the fifth rib you say why under the fifth rib those folks were trained i mean they were trained military people they knew what they were doing they were generals of the army and everything else and they smite them under the fifth rib because under the fifth rib you shoot right under that it's the heart you say well there's four that don't say a lot yeah but the fifth rib is what killed them did you know there was only one more in the bible and he's in the new testament and he got smote in the fifth rib who's that you say, well, you don't know it's the fifth rip. I really don't. I'm just guessing. Because I believe that they hit him right there at the heart. Because he loved the church and gave himself for it, the Bible says. He had a great love. And he died for it, that's what it says. And he had his heart, no doubt about it. That's what I believe. Not only that, there's so many different little things. Um, these contacts are killing me. <laughs> David took five smooth stones out when he went to Kill Goliath. We read that uh, the Old Testament altar, especially the brazen altar, it was five cubits by five cubits. You say, what did they do with that? They put a dead animal on it and burned it's what they did. Uh, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It's the second giving of the law, and as many as under the law are under a curse, and that curse is death. It's more than that. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are known as the law. That's what you read about. When they talk about the law, they're talking about those five books. Five. The first five books. Five is the number of death. Anybody under the law is destined to die. You've got to have grace. You've got to have grace to live. And that's why our Lord came and died and fulfilled the law and took care of that business. Not only that, we find... Um, we find... Five. Uh, we find... Yeah, the Old Testament uh, death chapter is Genesis chapter 5. Everybody in Genesis chapter 5 except for one man died. The Bible says, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. The only one that didn't die was Enoch, and he got translated. See, it was good to be Enoch, wasn't it? (laughs) But anyway, everybody else died. And the first man to die of natural causes in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 5, verse 5, his name's Adam. In the New Testament, there were some people that lied to the Holy Ghost. You know what they said? They said they sold some land, and they told that they were going to give all of it to the church, all the money that they got. Now, I'm not sure that they were obligated to give it all, but they said they were going to. And if you ever make the pledge, you say you're going to do it, you need to go ahead and follow up what you're going to do, you know. God doesn't require you to give everything to him like that. But if you're going to say it, you might as well follow through and do what you say you're going to do. But anyway, they said they were going to, and they lied. And you know what? The Lord let them know it. In, the, in Acts chapter 5, in verse 5, you read about Ananias and Sapphira, and they gave up the ghost. They died because they lied to the Holy Ghost, the scripture says. Acts 5.5. Five. Romans chapter number 5 is the death chapter for Adam and for our Savior who died on the cross, the second Adam. Not only that, um, there's lots of things. When a plane's going down, Uh, the first thing they do is they get on the uh, radio and they say, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. You say, why do they say that? Because May is the fifth month. That means they're about to crash and die. When a SOS signal goes out and there's a catastrophe and somebody sends an SOS uh, signal out, it's 5,000 kilocycles. Not only that, when a ship goes down into the water and it's breaking down or it's sinking, they, they call it breakdown number guess. Anybody got a guess? five how about that yeah we got it <laughs> that's right say so why because five is the number of death all through this thing it's amazing how many times it is uh, it's unreal really to be honest with you so anyway that's just quite a bit of it right there um how about uh five okay five's death so what time it is okay we've got time for another one how about number six then we'll go to six six is going to be the number of man most people's going to agree with this one too. Genesis chapter 1. Oh, I'm there. Genesis chapter 1. The last verse of Genesis 1 is verse 31. Genesis 1:31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the 6th day. The 6th day. Do you know who got made on the 6th day? Do you know what he made that day? He made man on the sixth day. Man was created on the sixth day. You say, when did man show up the sixth day? I mean, you read about the first, second, third, fourth. Fourth is the sun, the moon, the stars. You read about the animals, all that stuff. Number six, that's when man showed up. So the earth was here for five days before man came about. And on the sixth day, bam, here comes man. And so that's the first mention. The kingdoms of man are to last 6,000 years. Take your Bible and go to Second Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter. The kingdoms of man. Now you've got the young earthers and you've got people that are long-earth, whatever. I think it's billions and billions and all that kind of stuff. I personally don't believe that. I've got friends that do. And they're still friends of mine. Isn't that amazing how you can disagree on some things and still be friends? (laughs) I personally believe that the earth was created in six literal days. As a matter of fact, a day, when he talked about a day in the Bible, he said the evening and the morning were the first day. That's a measurement of time. That's all a day is, just like an hour. An hour is 60 minutes. It's a measurement of time. A day is is 24 hours. It's an evening and a morning. A month in the Bible is 30 days. Now over here it can be different cuz the lunar calendar and all that stuff but in the Bible the Jewish calendar 30 days what you have right there. A year was 360 days over there and it still is. Over here a year is 365 days. So it's a measurement of time. Well, 2nd Peter chapter number 3 and 2nd Peter chapter number 3 verse 8 But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. You say, what's important about that? Well, if that's the case, then those six days of creation and the seventh day when God rested is a picture of the entire time that the earth is here and that mankind is here. What that means is there's got to be about 6,000 years of history, and then God's going to rest. You say, when's he going to rest? In his millennial kingdom. This day seven, the 7,000 years. When he ushers in the millennium, the 7,000 years, that's when he comes and rests, just like he did after he created everything and saw that it was good. God rested on the seventh day. So, if that's right, the earth's going to be here somewhere around 7,000 years. Now, see, there, there's a problem there. And so, you've got to be careful, and we've got to protect the ozone. You don't hear as much about that anymore. Global warming. You don't hear that much anymore either. What would they change that to? Climate Climate change. That's it. That's right. So they keep, they just change it as they go. You couldn't get rid of this earth and world if your life depended on it. They said, what'd you do on uh, Earth Day? The guy said, well, I opened three cans of Freon and burned a tire. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't do that. I mean, you might go to jail over that. (laughs) That's probably not (laughs) why. When I was a kid, they burned tires all the time. (laughs) Nobody got in trouble back then, but it's different now. So don't, don't do it. <laughs> Not recommend it, but that's just a joke. But what I'm saying is, you couldn't destroy what's going to happen because I've read the back of the book, and the one that's going to destroy it all is the Lord himself, and it's going to be after the millennial reign when he destroys everything, and that's when you see a new heaven and a new earth. You say, how do you know it's going to happen that way? Because the book says it is. NASA can't change it. The government can't change it. Um, environmentalists can't change it nobody can change it i'm not for going and bulldozing down every tree in the forest and stuff i wouldn't want to i mean i don't want to do that i don't care about that kind of stuff but i'm not a tree hugger either if it gets in the way cut it down that's how i feel you know you say well there's a bird's nest they'll find another tree somewhere else that's just the way it is put the pipeline in that's how i feel about you know there's jobs right there so you're nuts well that's right i am nuts but i I wouldn't even argue that point (laughs) What I'm saying is, that's how long it's going to be here. Well, i got to get ready to close here. We're talking about the sixth day, and we've doing got off on all kinds of stuff, haven't we? Six means man. Six means man. Man has to work six days. He rests on the seventh. The Hebrew slave was to serve six years. Now, take your Bible and turn to Revelation 13. I'll show you something here. Revelation 13. Revelation chapter number 13. Revelation chapter number 13. And in Revelation chapter 13, this is the whole chapter is about the Antichrist. Coming soon. Revelation 13. Revelation 13 verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is 600, three score and six, or as we'd commonly say, six, six, six. You say, what's the number? It's a number of what? A man is what it says. And there's your six. That's what 18 is anyway. 18 six plus six plus six. Verse 18 right there. All right. So you get that and you get those sixes. So six, six, six is the number of the Antichrist. There just happens to be 18 types of Antichrist in the Bible. Six plus six plus six. The World Bank Code is 666. The UPC is an 18-digit number divided into three sixes. Six. Six is the number of man. All right. We better stop with six tonight. So we've got the first six of them knocked out. And we'll pick up with number seven next Wednesday, Lord willing. Any questions or comments there?